The New York Jets may have just laid the groundwork for an Aaron Rodgers trade by trading a player a lot of Packer fans wanted to be in this deal. We'll explain on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Get a 100% no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The New York Jets traded Elijah Moore. No, not to the Green Bay Packers, to the Cleveland Browns. And they did so for a conditional No, for a third round pick and a second round pick, pick swap. So it nets out to be about a third round net net value for the Jets, which is for a player that wasn't playing fine for the 34th overall pick two years ago. Pretty not great. Um, This now, though, gives the Jets two. Second round picks. Why is that important? Hmm, I wonder. And Bill Huber had written this earlier in the day for Sports Illustrated that he spoke to an executive who said that he thought Aaron Rodgers was worth a first round pick, even if it's just a year and and you're trying to convince him to stay, open up a two-year window with Aaron Rodgers. Now we have reports that Aaron Rodgers is trying to get OBJ to come to New York. We'll see what happens there. But what Huber suggested is instead of a first, let's just say the Jets are stuck on this idea of a first round pick. What they could offer instead is a second and a third this season, which would be the same as a first round pick. But... 42 and 43 together get you to a mid first round pick, depending on what trade chart you're looking at. So if you're looking at, um, you know, the over the cap trade chart, 42 and 43 is like a top five pick. If you're looking at the, the Rich Hill trade chart, 42 and 43 is more like the 17th pick. And if you're looking at the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, you swap 15, 13, 42 and 43 are the commensurate value to like the 14th pick or something like that. 13, I think it's the 13th pick. I think it's the Jets pick. That would be a workaround here. The Jets get to say, we didn't give up our first round pick. And the Packers get to say, we got a first round pick in value for Aaron Rodgers. I still think Corey Davis is in this trade, but what is particularly interesting about this solution in this draft is 
this is the perfect draft to say, I don't really care about the difference between 13 and 42. Because as I've been studying this draft and going through it and reading up and and doing all the analysis that I can and talking to the people that I talk to, this draft is all middle-class players. There aren't those guys at the top that you're just salivating ready to get your hands on. Even even the the two defensive players at the top, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, are flawed prospects. They would not be top three, top five picks in a lot of other drafts. There's a bunch of quarterbacks who are going to go because it's a good, not great quarterback class, but there is no premier offensive tackle in this draft. There is no premier receiver in this draft, although I think Jackson Smith the Jigba is very, very, very good, really good player. I think he'd be great in Green Bay. He's not going to be for everyone because he's going to be a slot mostly player. I personally do not care about that, but NFL teams will. He has short arms and we don't have any indication or at least evidence on the field that he can play outside. Doesn't mean he can't. We just haven't seen the evidence. I still think his release package because of that lateral agility can be elite and he can he can do it. It'll be fine. But we don't have evidence of that. He's not a, a no doubt lock top 10 kind of player ran in the in the four fives, high four fours, low four fives at his pro day, which is a good number for him. But it's not a great number overall. He is not that, you know, that superlative wide receiver prospect. We're not talking about Julio Jones. We're not talking about AJ Green. We're not talking about Calvin Johnson. We're not talking about those kinds of prospects. And we haven't seen a receiver prospect quite like that in a little while, but we've seen these guys at the top of the draft where you're just like, oh yeah, this group of guys, the 2020 draft class was incredible. This is not that class. There is no super elite premier pass rusher. So it's a lot about flavor. And this is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later with the pass rushers, but this is a draft where the, 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 the 15th best player and the 45th best player might be about the same. And so if that's the case, then you might rather have two bites at the apple. Historical draft precedent says teams are really bad at ordering these players. And two bites at the apple is better than one. One big bite at the top of the draft is, and it depends on how high, right? A top five pick is really, really valuable. But but in this draft, a top five pick is only valuable if you're getting a quarterback. If you're not, teams are not going to be falling all over themselves trying to get past Arizona to get Will Anderson. Teams are not going to be falling all over themselves to move up into the top five to get Jalen Carter, especially... You know, he's he has the the traffic issues. There were already attitude concerns with him. Now he's overweight, can't finish a workout. Just some really bad stuff there. Not great. Those were supposed to be your blue chip prospects. And I, I watched the tape and thought, mm, those don't look like blue chip prospects to me. And so if there's going to be a draft where you go, 42, 43, and 45, I can have three shots at it in the middle of the second round where I might be getting a guy that I had a late first, early second kind of grade on. Multiple guys could be there. 
and I have a chance to draft three top 50 players and get the and have my first round pick four top 50 players in all that is an incredible situation for the Packers to be in now maybe it's as simple as the Jets lacking some draft capital um decided to go out Elijah Moore was not going to be the, the future of their team they they bring in McCole Hardman they want to bring in OBJ because Aaron Rodgers wants them to bring in OBJ and so Elijah Moore wants to be out they trade him. They get the best value that they can. The Browns decide that's a better move than, than giving up um, more draft capital for Jerry Judy. Okay. Maybe maybe this this is just okay. Here's here's another opportunity. We're gonna we're gonna keep this second. You can have this second. And now you have the extra pick. I I don't see that as being plausible. It's possible. I don't see it as plausible. You didn't just trade for that extra second round pick. Insist on a pick swap so that you can get the second round pick and not use it. It is going to be ammunition to go get Aaron Rodgers. And this now sets you up. In the second round, like you now have free reign to do whatever you want at the top of this draft. And we are going to talk about that part of this in a second. All right. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000, which makes now the perfect time to get in on FanDuel. We've got the NCAA tournament, NBA playoffs fast approaching. Do you guys know opening day is like around the corner? It's like a week from today, less. So there's a lot of stuff that you can be betting on and FanDuel is the place that you're going to want to do it. FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. So the reason I brought up the defensive ends, the edge class, is because, you know, we had this conversation yesterday about David Bakhtiari. And the flexibility, the optionality, all of that stuff with Josh Nyman and what you're going to do with David Bakhtiari's future and his contract and all that stuff. And so I thought, okay, look, um, in this class, if you're going to get these extra picks on day two, and this was when it was just two picks, now it could potentially be three picks on day two, just in the second round, plus your third round pick. What if when you look at this class, you go... Actually, the best thing to do at 13, offensive tackle, certainly in the mix. What about a pass rusher? And the reason I bring that up is because I started watching this pass rush group, the edge players, and and came away going, what am I watching? Like, what is this? Even the players that were supposed to be the elite level players, the Miles Murphys and the Will Andersons, I came away going, these guys aren't ready. These, these are not the players that I was I was told they are. And you go down the list and you realize, okay, maybe there's 15, 18 of these guys who are who are in projected top 50s precisely because none of them are that good. Because you're looking at, okay, I like this little piece of their game. Or I like this little piece. Oh, the, oh look at the athleticism. Oh, look at the tools. Look at the tools. But we haven't seen it on the field. 
And that is often the case with these pass rushers where you're just taking these twitched up bendy athletes and, and predicting that you can coach them up. That's part of why you pay your coaches is so that you can go, hey, we're going to we're going to take this great athlete and it's your job to figure it out. Packers did it with Rashawn Gary. Not a twitched up bendy athlete, but a crazy all time great athlete. So as you look at the flexibility that the Packers would then have on day two in round two to get really whatever you needed, multiple pass catchers, multiple pass catchers in an offensive tackle, multiple pass catchers in a running back, multiple pass catchers in a safety, an offensive tackle, a pass catcher in a safety. They just have so many more options now that maybe the move is to take advantage of that high-end opportunity at the top of the draft with a pass rusher because you could be sitting there in the second round and get Dewan Jones. There are offensive tackles that could be there at the top of the second round where you could you could find them. Yeah, you could get Jackson Smith or Jigba at, at 13 or 15 if you do the pick swap thing. But is Jalen Hyde at 42 that different? Now, I think at receiver, it starts to get a little weird. Like, yeah, probably. Like, I would take JSN in the first round because I don't think the second day of this draft class was great, but I really like Cedric Tillman. I really like Jalen Hyatt. Rishi Rice tested much better than I thought he would at the Combine. Some of these guys, Xavier Hutchinson on day two, really nice player. Kind of the perfect complimentary piece. I think the Packers are operating under the idea that they feel like they have their number one. It's Christian Watson. And they have a player in Romeo Dobbs who could be a really good number two. Maybe at the top of this draft, you can go Dalton Kincaid, right? I think he's worth the 13th or the 15th overall pick. But I did a bunch of these mock draft scenarios. Even if you have a handful of tight ends go at 42, 43, 45, Sam Laporte is probably going to be on the board. Luke Musgrave probably going to be on the board from Oregon State. Uh, Sam Laporte is from Iowa. That's where this, this class is its strongest, right there in the middle of day two. That's not the case for defensive ends. These guys on day two are all over the map. And yes, some of these guys are really good athletes. But all of a sudden, you're thinking about the top of this draft going, okay, if you want a pass rusher, you got to get one early. Maybe Lucas Van Ness at 15 or 13 or whatever it is actually makes way more sense in a post-trade scenario than he does right now because now... If you go edge in the first round, now you're scrambling to find these pass catchers and you're not, you're, you might have to be stuck going, okay, how about Zach Coons from Old Dominion who tested, you know, out of this world in the third round? Well, that's probably more than he's worth. And he wasn't, he was probably going to be like a sixth round pick before the combine. Now you're having to pay this premium for him. Getting these extra picks gives you so much more flexibility. And I was making the case in a, in a group chat that I'm in with, with other Packers media people, that this draft is actually the draft where you would say, I would rather have 42 and 43 than 15 or 13. Precisely because those differences are small and, and maybe more importantly, the meat of the draft is between 20 and 70. That's where... 
you've got a ton of players who are all about the same value. And I, I think you could even go up to like 10. Because I just don't see those top guys separating themselves. Like at receiver, yes, because this is a weird class and you've got all of these really small guys, Josh Downs and Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison. These are all smalls. Quentin Johnson probably going to go in the top 15. He's a very different type of player than Jackson Smith Jajigba, but I think has some similar kinds of questions about, okay, can he win in the NFL consistently? Different, different reasons, but the same kind of question. He needs more polish, JSN. It's more about can you get off press? Do you have the speed to threaten vertically? Those kinds of things. I kind of don't care because I think he can just kill teams from the slot. That would be a yes for me. For the Packers, if you're trying to maximize value, like, yes, okay. And I said this on Twitter. 13, you're operating from a position of strength. If a team wants to come up, and we've seen the Packers do this, they got a future first in a very similar position and then went back up and got Jair Alexander. They traded down, they got a first, they went back up and they got their guy. Now that was a different draft, a deeper draft, a corner heavy draft. There's some good corners in this draft too. But I think you can make the case that because the draft is stronger in this range, this high, and I I tend to think the middle of this second round, the top of the second round is where teams consistently find Really, really good value. And you can you can go back and look at some of the, the picks that the Packers made in the top of the second round. Jordy Nelson comes to mind. Um, Elton Jenkins comes to mind. Kevin King doesn't come to mind. But you, you look around the league and some of the, the players that the Packers didn't draft, the Packer fans wanted them to draft, went at the top of the second round. Guys like Chase Claypool, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, you can usually get really good value in those areas and in a class where there is just not that much separating most of these top 50, top 75 guys. Maybe having three bites at the apple is just better than one. Now, I mean, you're getting two extra picks. So I can see if you're the Packers going, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We will we will come off our demand for a first round pick if you're giving us first round pick value precisely because the places that the Packers have their needs, this draft is strong in exactly those ranges. The low 40s, that's where you're going to find a Sam Laporta, a Luke Musgrave. That's where you're going to that's where you're going to draft a Jalen Hyatt, a Cedric Tillman, an Antonio Johnson. That's where those players are going to go. And those are the players that we think they're going to draft anyway. Maybe Brian Branch falls out of the first round. You watch the tape and you go, okay. He plays better than the combine numbers. Stop the fall. Maybe Jordan Addison, you look at the tape and you go, that's a first round player. And then he doesn't test as great. And he comes in way under what you thought he would be weight wise. But maybe the Packers can pull a Randall Cobb and say, well, we just don't care. We just don't care that much. Because he's a really good football player. And you could justify that when you have these extra picks. The optionality this would give you may be worth giving up the chance to get that first round pick. I'd still be not only pushing for that first, but also saying we're, sw- we're swapping firsts. You're going to give me 13 and I'll give you 15. And, and you can go from there.
All right, we're going to finish up here before we do. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last thing that... I want to hit on here just briefly. I thought about making this a whole segment and doing it as the A block, and I just, I don't want to do it. There were some comments about Packer fans following Aaron Rodgers to New York, and I almost just said Brett Favre because we've already been through this. It was 15 years ago. I, I don't think it's likely that almost any fans will just renounce their Packers fandom and go be Jets fans. And I made the joke that it will be like the group of people who say they're boycotting the NFL. Like there will be, we'll hear a lot of people who say that and no one will actually do it. I think there will be plenty of Packer fans who will cheer for the Jets and cheer for Aaron Rodgers in New York. But... I I had a a follower put this very succinctly on Twitter. They said, I've never met a former Packers fan. And I thought that was such a, a, just a perfect way to encapsulate it. You're just not going to turn your back on the Packers. And I, I just, I can't overstate how different this is. When Aaron Rodgers was at camp and we knew Brett Favre was coming to camp. He was getting booed. Booed. That's how pissed off Packer fans were about the Brett Favre thing. There will be some Packer fans who are a little miffed, who are just Aaron Rodgers capers, and that's their guy, and and I don't blame them for that. Be a fan how you need to be a fan. You're not hurting anybody if you love Aaron Rodgers. No one's going to boo Jordan Love. No one's going to boo Jordan Love. And I think that is proof of the point that I made the other day that there, this is just, it's not, it's not quite night and day, but it's like noon versus four. Like there is a clear difference in the light. There is a clear difference in the temperature. Aaron Rodgers was getting booed. Jordan Love is not going to get booed. So there will be plenty, a lot, many, Packer fans who will say, hey, look, it's cool for Aaron Rodgers in New York. I hope he wins. Who will be happy for him if he wins a Super Bowl? Good for him. I will be happy for him if he wins a Super Bowl. His legacy as a player, he deserves at least two. Now, will it make Brian Gutekinds look pretty bad? Probably. And so if you're a Packers fan, you might not want that. So you feel very conflicted. I'll feel, you know. Hey, I really like that guy. I'm glad that he's having success, but I'm, I wish it had been with, with us. Yeah, that's great. And that's fine. That's a natural reaction. There, but no one is going to renounce their fanhood. And I, I don't think we're going to see green and white 12 jerseys at training camp or, or whatever. Like it's, we're just probably not going to see that. So it's just, again, I, I, I was going to make it a bigger deal. I don't want to, but I I did want to just mention it here on the show. All right, back tomorrow. 
Still waiting. We may be getting close. This Elijah Moore deal, as I said, may have just set the table. Now the Jets have the capital to make the trades. And we'll see. I, we it, it is difficult to know what is holding up the trade at this point, but it has been very quiet. And it is interesting that we have not heard in about a week anything about these negotiations. So maybe they're not even negotiating. Maybe they just like called a truce for now. Or maybe they're hammering out the final details and that be, there are no holdups. They're just making sure they're dotting their, their T's and crossing their I's. Scratch that, reverse it, that whole thing. Just interesting. Just interesting. It has been very quiet. And I keep wanting to make the joke that it's too quiet, but it's not. It's especially not in my mentions, not from Jet fans. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like when Aaron Rodgers makes a decision, like when the Packers finally execute a trade, Aaron Rodgers made his decision, but there's no trade yet. You can do that on our Locked on Packers YouTube page to stay. Locked on Packers.